you want to follow along in your Bibles this morning, the scripture reading will come from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 33. Out in the open wisdom calls aloud, she raises her voice in the public square. On the top of the wall she cries out, at the city gate she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke, then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand. Since you disregard all of my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you, then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but, I, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Good morning. It is good to see you all. That's got more meanings than just that's good to see you all this morning. We feel much better now after uh, November did not finish well for us in our household. But uh, we do have a few remnants. So if you see me take a nap somewhere, just at random places, it's because I find myself getting more tired more easily than I had before. So uh, either I'm just getting older and my goal in life is to be able to fall asleep wherever I am, whatever's going on, uh, like my dad did. So, uh, and we got goals in life. <laughs> Before we get into our lesson this morning, let's have our prayer together, please. Our Father and our God, we are so very thankful that you have given us today. We want this day and everything that we do in it to lift you up reflect who you are and all that you've done. We, we are awed and amazed, Father, at how good you are to us, how you've forgiven us, how you've blessed us. So help us, Father. Help us to understand more deeply your love and your grace. Help us to learn and grow in the faith that we have in you. To draw closer to you and to each other. Father, give us strength to get through today, provided the comfort that's needed as we struggle. But Father, help us today to live with the hope you've given us through your Son. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. I should have looked at the date on this. It's a sign of getting older if you start to reference things that happened before some people were born. Uh, one of the Indiana Jones movies, The Last Crusade. They, uh, there's a scene where they go in to find the Holy Grail. Indiana's father's been shot. The Holy Grail, the cup that Jesus used at the Last Supper, is supposed to have healing properties. So they go back and they figure out, and they go back and they find in the last room, in this uh, cave where they are, they find... A room full of cups 
a knight who's there to protect them. And the knight who's there, who's been there for a long, long, long time, reminds them to choose wisely. Well, the bad guy in the movie has somebody choose a cup for him, and he says, this looks like a cup. It's fancy. It's got jewels on it. A cup worthy of a king. And he dips it in the water, takes a drink, and you get that wonderful scene where he dies right in front of everybody. And the knight says, he chose chose poorly. And so Indiana goes through looking at all the cups because the reality for that, the cup that Jesus used, no matter what, what it is, is that it was a cup used not by a king, not by an earthly king, but by one who is teaching, who began as a carpenter. And so he goes through and he picks out the cup that looks like this is just for regular folks. Drinks it. And the knight tells him he chose wisely. Now, when we get into the book of Proverbs, I think that reflects a lot of what we see there. When you, when you think about the book of Proverbs, what comes to your mind first? Do you all think about some of the things like Benjamin Franklin said? Now, this isn't in Proverbs. This has been early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Have you, any of you all tried that? How many of you all get to bed early and get up early? We, we, we know some of those sayings through time reflect a lot of what goes on in life. And in Proverbs, we, we know those sayings and we, we hear them, but we don't necessarily think about them. I, well, we, me and the frog in my pocket, we don't necessarily think about them all the time because here they are in Proverbs and we go on and we do other things. But the thing about Proverbs is that it's that same idea of, of wisdom. Choose wisely. When you live life, look at the choices you're making and how does it fit with what God has said because the wisdom that we're provided to get there. Now, chapters 1 through 9 begins in the process, especially emphasizing, like our scripture reading this morning, of wisdom being personified, giving a call out to everybody, saying, come on, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square on top of the wall. She cries out at the city gate. She makes her speech. She calls out to all those who need to learn, who need her. To be able to get through life. Chapter 8, the same thing. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand beside the gate leading into the city at the entrance. She cries aloud. She says, come, learn from me. Get wisdom. It, it makes a difference in life. And so when we look at Proverbs, it, it, it looks, it, we look at it and we go, we realize this makes a difference in how we live our lives. The choices that we make, and we know there are times we can make choices poorly, there are times we make choices wisely. And Proverbs is intended to get us to point over to the the aspect of choosing wisely. Because in choosing wisely, what we find is a life that is better. We find life itself in that moment. But the thing about, about wisdom, it's not just a matter of do the right things. It goes deeper than that. Wisdom also addresses why we do what we do. Because you can take the same choice made by two people, and they can make the same choice to take the same action, but they can do it for different motives. If somebody does something for you because they love you deeply and they care about you, how is that different if somebody else does the same thing for you, but they're hoping to get something from you? Does the motive matter, or is it just the the action? We know that the reality is somebody does something for the right reason because of love. It makes a difference to us. 
But if somebody's just doing good things for us or doing nice things for us because they're hoping to get something out of us, that it, it really does not sit well for any of us. And, and wisdom is that same aspect, that the way, why we do what we do matters. And so when we get into Proverbs, he, he's going to address what goes on inside. Because wisdom really is not just an external response, it's what's going on within us. So when he says, the wise in heart, already he started to point out that those who have what's going on on the inside set in the right direction, it makes a difference in what they choose there in chapter 10, verse 8. Chapter 13, 12, he talks about hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. What happens here can make a difference in how we carry ourselves through each day. Chapter 14, 30, a, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots, rots the bones. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? How it makes us feel inside. But what's going on inside makes a difference to all of us. All of a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the Lord. See, there's, it's not just the actions, but the motives that matter. The reason we do what we do does matter in this world. and makes a difference in what goes on in our, our life. As water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. On and on, he'll talk about what's going on here being expressed in how we live. But that's the way God's always done, thing, done things, hasn't it? Hasn't God always wanted our hearts all along? First Samuel chapter 16, and talking about when, when Samuel's there to actually anoint David, and he's going through all of his brothers, and he looks at one of the brothers, and Samuel goes, man, this looks like a king. This, this ought to be the one. And God says, don't look at what he looks like. Don't look at his appearance or his height, for I've rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And we know that. We've heard that over and over again. First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, he tells us, where is, where is it that Christ is Lord of our lives? In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. In your hearts. It's not just doing things on the, on the outside that make a difference. We have to have... The, what our motives are, what's going on inside. God, what God wants is all of us, in and out. So when we look at that aspect of things, that, of choosing our actions wisely, it's not just these acts, but it's also choosing in a way, in a motive and a reason that makes a difference. Now the warnings that, that Proverbs gives us, I want, I want to emphasize this over and over, maybe for myself, you all may have this down, is that warnings that he gives us is a reminder that this means we could have problems with these things. He doesn't just say, watch out for this, because those people have trouble with this, but you don't. He says, be aware of what goes on inside of you, because this can make a difference in you. So, for one thing, he'll, he'll warn us about pride. He'll warn us about pride. And we can talk about how, we, how pride, how arrogant people really, oh, that can get us good. But he's, when he gives these warnings, it's a reminder to all of us that for all of us, that this could be a problem for us. So, he'll, he'll say, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. That we have to be aware of that. Uh, chapter 16, 18. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And we've heard those things. And he doesn't just say that just to have it go on. What he's saying is, be aware of what's going on in your heart. Because this can be a problem for every one of us. No matter who we are. Now the thing about pride is that pride uh, is tempting to us. I think primarily because we get worried about how we appear. That our appearance starts to matter. And so if, if somebody says something or something happens that makes us look bad and we get all worked up about it, he says, look at what's going on inside of us. Because pride will worry about appearances. So when we look at Proverbs, what he says about pride, and, and part of the problem is that uh, 
pride will, will not like to be corrected. Because if you're corrected, what does that mean? If somebody tells you you're not doing something the right way, you're wrong, isn't it? Pride doesn't want to be wrong, doesn't want to appear wrong, doesn't like to be pointed out as wrong. So the problem with pride is like, I don't want to have that happen. So like chapter 10, verse 17, whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Pride is what keeps us from listening to correction. Chapter 13, 1, a wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a mocker does not respond to rebukes. So what goes on in us changes what goes on. Mockers resent correction, so they avoid the wise. On and on, he'll, he'll point that out. And so that idea of not wanting to be seen as wrong matters to somebody who has pride. Because that appearance, want to have that presentation of always feeling like we, we have something good going on and want other people to think well of us as opposed to acknowledging where we may struggle or what goes on. And that the, the aspect of, of wanting to have our standing we want to look right in the right place. It, it's interesting. Better be nobody and have a servant than to pretend to be somebody and have no food. Have y'all ever known anybody that pretended to be something they weren't because they wanted to appear to be something more? It could be all of us if we're not careful. One person pretends to be rich, it has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, it has great wealth. Which is better? To have the appearance... And so that pride, what pride does for us is we, we worry about what others think, how we appear to the world. And so we try to construct a life that, that puts things in that perspective as opposed to what is. The result of pride is the opposite of what we're seeking. Because we think by pride, by giving this presentation, by this appearance, we think we have everything in order. But the reality is, with pride comes disgrace. Eventually it's seen, eventually it's found out. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked, produce sin. It causes problems for us. And so we have to be aware of what goes on in our hearts to see what comes along. So what's better than appearances? What's better than looking the right part and, and looking good in life? What is better than that? I think the better is substance, which I think is expressed through humility. And when I say substance, see, the thing about pride is it's more about What's on the outside? Substance acknowledges what reality is and gives something there. So let's do it this way. A rebuke impresses a discerning person more than a hundred lashes a fool. Humility, having substance, is willing to acknowledge, ah, I messed up there. Do you hear the difference? Pride does not want to be corrected. Humility, substance wants to learn. When we are, are who we need to be, we want to learn, we want to grow, we want to become who God wants us to be. And so the idea of a rebuke, somebody come along and say, you know, you said this and I don't think that was right. And in humility we go, oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Humility will accept those corrections. Chapter 20, verse 3, who can say I've kept my heart pure, I'm clean and without sin. That's the substance. Pride will try to say and present oneself as being having no problems at all. But humility acknowledges the truth. You know, I'd like to do this better, but I'm learning. I'm growing. I want to become more than what I am right now. I want to, I want to develop into that. Chapter 28, verse 13. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Isn't it interesting to be able to acknowledge what we do wrong is what's better for us? That's, that's what humility does. 
Humility isn't worried about, I've got to look right to everybody else. Humility was, I, I want to become who God wants me to be. And I'm not all that. I'm, I don't have everything together. I need to grow. I need to learn. And having people around me who care enough about me to, to help me do that makes a world of difference in my life. So instead of the, the appearances and worrying about that, I want to become who I say I am through and through in every way. So we, we learn. We want to learn. The wise in heart accept commands. I listen to what's going on around me. Whoever he's disciplined shows the way to life. I, I hear it. And I want to understand it. I want to grow in it. Now, whoever heeds life-giving correction will be at home among the wise. To be able to sit among others and learn from them is humility. And it helps us to become the men and women that God wants us to be. But it begins by being willing to look like a beginner. To make mistakes. To acknowledge our shortfalls. To acknowledge our weaknesses. Our struggles. And just say, I'm learning. I'm learning. And it's okay. I was thinking about that uh, at the Ace Arena. They, had, they were talking about ice skating. I'm thinking, where are they going to put the ice? <clears throat> it's plastic skating. They've got plastic pieces that they've laid out, connected together, that act like ice. So you can ice skate on them. Any of y'all interested? My ankles are not interested. But if I... If I Put trust in my joints. If you put me out there on ice skates, do you know what I look like? I can, I can roller skate, but I've never ice skated before. And I think they're a little bit different. Which means if you put me on ice skates, I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm doing. But life means I can look like that, and it's okay. Because to learn how to do it means I've got to, I've got to go through those process. I've got to go through learning it. To show all the mistakes and learn from all that goes on and to grow in that. And that's where we're aiming for. That motive is, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to become who God wants me to be. Another warning he gives us is about dishonesty. Do, do any of us intend to be dishonest in our lives? Anybody? Y'all want to be dishonest? Nobody's raising their hand. Are y'all lying to me or are you just being honest and not say, saying you? Now, we don't intend to generally, but the reality is dishonesty is still a temptation for all of us because of life. We may say, no, I want to always be truthful. I want to be honest. I want to lay out what is. But the thing about dishonesty is that it's tempting to all of us. And that's why he gives warnings to us about what goes on, that we can be tempted about dishonesty. So when he talks about whoever walks in integrity walks securely, whatever takes crooked paths will be found out. And we can look at that and go, I would never want to go down a crooked path. I want to walk in integrity. But then I come up in life and I find myself in a spot where I'm going to be tempted to be dishonest. One of those is, and I, I think here's, here's one of the motives for dishonesty. We, we tend to lie whenever we are trying to get what we want. We tend to lie when we get a focus on what we want and think that's the way that we're going to get there. So chapter 11, verse 1, verse one the Lord detests dishonest scales, but accurate weights find favor with him. You hear the dishonest scales, somebody who wants to become wealthy is willing to be dishonest to gain more money. So the motive there is what they want. Uh, chapter 14, 30, heart of peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones, what I want. And that, that, that desire for want, better a little with righteousness and much gain with injustice. See, if, what, if I want something more 
and I'm willing to compromise because of what I want. That's what leads me to dishonesty in what goes on. Chapter 19, verse 2, desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? The desire. When we let that take the lead instead of being honest about what's going on, the desire leads us to dishonesty as we go along. And it's not just a matter of that uh, I want, like only money. What we want can also be, I want to look like I'm right. I want to have this go on. And, and you can hear when somebody exaggerates about what somebody else did to make them look bad and make themselves look good, you can hear the dishonesty because they want that person to not get what, what they have in mind because I'm trying to get what I want. So I'll talk them down to get what I want. That dishonesty is reflected in that. And so when he, when he lays it out, it's, and I think part of the struggle for us is that we believe that what we do to get to where we, the end that we want, the end that justifies the means. And so if we know, if we believe the end is what's good and right, and so whatever I do to get there is justified by this good and right thing. And that's what get us, gets us in trouble. The simple believe anything. Isn't that an interesting way to phrase that? The prudent give thought to their ways. I, I believe if I'm not thoughtful, I believe what I want to believe as opposed to looking at the bigger picture. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, the Lord detests them both. Do you hear the dishonesty in that? It becomes about somebody else's agenda about what then what's right. The sacrifice of the wicked is detestable. How much more so when brought with evil intent? There's the motive that goes on, that we can come before God and if our motive is not what, what it needs to be, then we can take something good and right and make it something that's contrary to what God has in mind for us. Now, the thing about dishonesty, because we, we, we are seeking what we want, to counteract that is that we have to find what has true value. What really matters in life? What has good value in life? And seek that as opposed to getting focused on what we have in mind. So here, better a little with righteousness. So what, what has greater value? The money that we have or righteousness? Which matters more? And when we put the value on righteousness, we know what we do between here and the end matters in everything. How much better to get wisdom than gold to get insight rather than silver? Do you hear how he contrasts one? We can say gold and silver, they're good, we need to have them. He says something even value that has greater value is wisdom, is insight. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. You hear the value contrast he gives? We might, we might believe, well, I've, I've, I've given this to God. And he says, have you done what's right? Have you done what's just? And when we value what God wants in, in everything, we see that as we go along. That we, what we want is to see a bigger picture of things. The wisdom, the prudent is to give thought to the ways. The folly of fools is deception. That we see something more than just ourselves and what we want. That we see those around us and we see that it matters how we get from point A to point B. No matter how good the end is, it does matter how we get there. The end does not justify the means. The means stand on their own. And when the means aren't right, they're, they're going to be wrong no matter what. And our motive for getting here matters along the way. Alright, how about laziness? Any of y'all tempted to be lazy? If he gives us warnings about it, it means that we can be tempted to be lazy. Sloth. Because why put it in there if it's not going to be a problem? Now, we may say, no, it's not me. I, I work hard. I take care of business. I do this. I'm always busy. In fact, 
for most of us, we might say, my problem is I'm too busy. I have too many things going on. And we're going to address that here in a bit. But the thing is, for, for him to talk about laziness, to being, being lazy, means that we need to be aware of this and watch what's going on. Lazy hands make for poverty. Indulgent hands bring, bring wealth. So when he lays this out, he says, this is something we need to be aware of in ourselves, for our own motive and all that goes on. 19, that says 15. I think that's 1919. Laziness brings on deep sleep and the shiftless go hungry. It makes you kind of worried about taking a nap this afternoon. Don't, no, you can take a nap. It's state law. On Sunday afternoon, you're supposed to take a nap. So when he gives us a warning about laziness, we have to see what goes on. What is it that laziness is, is seeking? When we avoid what needs to be done, what are, we, what are we looking for? What do we want to have happen? When we put something off, when we, when we don't want to do something right now, what is it that we're seeking? Now, when he, he talks about he who gathers crops in summer is a prudent, prudent son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. So there's something that needs to be done. And I think part of the problem with laziness is looking for a good feeling now. We want to feel good now. How many things in life do we have to do that are hard and difficult and not pleasant in the moment? Y'all have to do anything like that? See, laziness says, I want to feel good now. I don't want to do those things now. I'll wait. And so they don't get done. One who's slacking his work is a brother to one who destroys. See, that, that putting off of the, what needs to be done. I, I love this picture. A slugger buries his hand in the dish. He will not even bring it back to his mouth. Can you see somebody that don't want to work so bad that they're not even willing to bring, get the food up to their mouths? And I'm starving to death, but... It's so hard. Twenty-two, thirteen. the sluggard says, there's a lion outside. I'll be killed in the public square. We all have good reasons for not doing what we need to have done. And so, and part of that is to keep that, that going on. Now, part of the challenge for us is sometimes what happens when we're avoiding what needs to be done because it's unpleasant, when we're avoiding what needs to be done because it's not really what we want to do right now, when we put things off, sounds a whole lot like procrastination as well, doesn't it? And sometimes our busyness is that we get doing things that we want to do in the moment, and that way we can say we're too busy to do what needs to be done. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, when there is no oxen, the manger is empty. Now, I think there's some translations say when there is no oxen, where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. I like that picture better because that's the idea. Have you all ever shoveled out stalls? Horses for anything? Pigs? Any of you all like that? Nobody wants to speak up. Nobody likes that. It's hard work, isn't it? You know how to have clean stalls? No horses, no pigs, no animals at all. It stays spotless. But the thing about it is, when we don't have those things, when there are no oxen, you don't have the work to clean up after them, but you also miss out on the harvest. That part of the process is that that's part of what needs to go on to get from here to there. And so that idea of putting things off, that, that procrastination is, that way I don't have to do the unpleasant thing. It means we don't do what needs to be done. It says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to only poverty. We can talk about what we want to have going on. We can fantasize. Uh, no, I've got the next verse. Sluggers do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Now the thing about this verse is it, it kind of implies that, well, when, do, when does somebody who's lazy, when do they plow? This doesn't say they never plow. It says they don't plow in season. If you don't plant at the right time, when do you harvest? 
If you don't do it in the right moment, there are some things that have to be done at the right time to be able to lead for what goes on. And so if we put things off till, the, till we're past time, we get ourselves in a, part, in a hard spot. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready. After that, build your house. There's the idea where we get busy. Well, I've got to take care of this. I've got to take care of this. And we never take care of what really matters. And that's all an expression of that as well. Here's the verse I was thinking about a while ago. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. And so that idea of looking for a feeling and chasing after a good feeling will get us, get us in a bad spot every time. Slugger's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. That kind of reflects the previous verse, but it finishes that out differently. So when we put all that together, laziness isn't just a matter of laying back, watching TV all day and not doing anything. Laziness could also be procrastination where we wait to the last minute because I don't want to work on it now and I'm going to wait and wait and wait. And then it's a mess when I get to it. Or sometimes it's a reflection of busyness where we do all the, all, everything else but what we need to get done in the moment. So if we're going to counteract that, if we're going to resist the temptation of laziness, we have to find purpose. The discipline of purpose. To get us where we take care of what needs to be taken care of. Sometimes discipline says, I'm not going to do that because that doesn't really matter. I need to focus on this. And so when we think about those kind of things, so we work the land, we'll have abundant food. We know this has to happen to be able to get where I need to go here. That's just part of life, that purpose that reflects that. The idea of oxen, from the strength of ox, an ox comes abundant harvest. We know this is part of the process, to have that purpose that goes along with everything, to, get, to do what matters, to get done what matters. And so instead of getting distracted by other things, I, I love the purposes of a person's heart or deep waters, but one who has insight draws them out. We know there's something deeper there that when we'll set our mind on what really matters, it makes a difference in how we live our lives. The righteous care for the needs of their animals. Now you think, well, where'd that come from? When you take care of what matters, with the purpose that goes on, we know that, that changes how we live our lives, what we take care of, and what, we're, what we do in the moment. Put your outdoor work in order and get your fields ready, and after that, build your house. You take care of what matters most, and then you go on to the next thing. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. And see, that's, that's what it really boils down to, isn't it? Where we, don't, where we have discipline in our lives to do what really matters and not make excuses and not fill up our, up our lives with things that distract us from things that matter, but to, to do what needs to be done in our lives in each day. Chapter 27, be sure that you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. You know, one thing about getting older, all right, I'll tell the kids. You know one of the things you have to do regularly when you get older? You go through your pantry, you go through your medicine cabinet, and you throw out all the things that just expired five years ago because they've been sitting there so long. Nobody ever told me that when I was growing up. When you get older, you're going to have to go through your stuff and throw away things that you have kept for, for years that aren't good anymore because they've expired long ago. When we, we know when we take care of things that no matter what's going on, that we're aware of what we have and what needs to be done, and we watch those things as we go along. I think, I think the challenge for us in this is that... Uh, uh, it's easy for us to see ourselves as the exception to the rule. Because none of us, none of us intend to become 
prideful. None of us do. None of us intend to become dishonest. None of us intend to be lazy in our lives. We believe that other people have that problem. I don't. I'm the exception. But the thing is, is because we believe we're the exception, we find ourselves stepping into acting like everybody else. And what these, what these Proverbs, what Proverbs does for us is what we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Everything that we've been given, everything that's laid out before is, is something for us to learn from and watch from and, and take warnings from. And so when he talks about Israel, he says these are the things that happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us. For us. And so when we watch the example of those of Israel, we know Every time they walked, when they went through the wilderness, they said, we need to learn from what they did because that could be us. When we watch them and when they're settled in the kingdom of and Samuel and, and First Saint Kings and Chronicles, he says, everything that we watch them do and how they mess up, he says, learn from that because that could be us. And so we get into to Proverbs and he, it's the same principle to look at that and go, that could be us. If we're not aware of what's going on within us, that we need to take time to look at our own hearts. We need to take time to look at what we're choosing, whether we're choosing wisely or poorly, and to acknowledge there are things that I want in my life. And because I want this so bad, I need to be careful because that can lead me to being dishonest. There are times where I worry so much about what other people think about me that if I'm not careful, I can let pride become a part of my life because I'm worried about what other people think so much. There are times where I forget what matters most. And if I'm not careful, I could not be doing what really needs to be done and busy up my life with things that don't really make a difference. But I feel like I'm doing good. But no. I could become lazy. I could become slothful. And I need to be aware of what's going on in my heart. To choose wisely is not just to choose the right action, but to have what's going on in our hearts. The motive matters. And it'll make a difference for us in every day of our lives. That, that choosing. God, God has repeated that idea over and over to us, hasn't he? To Israel, choose who you're going to follow. To us, choose. Choose who you're going to follow. And when you look at your heart, when you look at your life, what does it reflect? Are you reflecting that you've chosen to be a child of God through Jesus Christ? That you've put your faith in Him, that you've been buried with Him in baptism and, and started to live for Him in every way? Are, is it, are you reflecting that that life, that He is Lord in your life, that it's seen in what goes on in your heart, it's seen in what goes on in your life? And it may be this morning that you need, need that little nudge, a prayer and encouragement to get you back on track. If you need to respond, would you come down as we stand and sing?